Welcome to For the Love of Books, a podcast by North Lancashire Libraries. Hi everyone, welcome back to the North Lancashire Libraries podcast For the Love of Books. My name is Chris Wilson, the e-services librarian, and today I am joined by Alison Walsh, the customer services librarian for the Coatbridge area, and Hilary Petrie, the open learning officer for the Motherwell area. Hello guys, welcome to the podcast. Hello. Hi there. <laughs> and you guys are not newbies to this. You've been on the podcast before, so you know what you've got yourselves in for, for joining me today, which is good. The topic that we're going to have a wee chat about is surviving another lockdown and having a bit of a hopeful future. So we're going to have a wee look back at the last few months, see what we've been kind of up to, and also kind of think a little bit ahead as well and see what's on the horizon a little bit too, because hopefully there's a little bit of glimmer of light in there somewhere and hopefully it's kind of starting to look a bit better. So first off, how have you guys um, got on surviving yet another lockdown? What's helped you guys get through it and and you know, so made you survive it? So Hilary, what, what have you been up to um, and how have you survived the, the lockdown this year, this time? Um, I think this time January I read. And oh, then from February onwards, it's been uh, rugby and finally uh, Line of Duty's back. <laughs> I do you know I haven't caught the new season of Fitline of Duty yet, so I'll need to try and catch up with that one too. Catch um, up, catch up. <laughs> uh, I haven't Alison, watched any of it. I know I was just going to say, I've not watched any of the Line of Duty, so I'm like completely behind the curve with this. And now I'm like, is it six seasons in? Am I too late? Or should I really be um, embracing this? You know, is it worth Embrace- it? Embrace yeah. it, but you have to go to season one and start there. That's not one of these ones you can jump in later on. It's it's like that good not set of novels where you have to start at the beginning. It's definitely, I think it's definitely worth going back to and revisiting because it's it's one of the kind of few shows that we we I, I was a bit late kind of to it as well. And whenever I was kind of like, oh, I don't know, I don't know if it's really my thing, but actually it was it was really really good and really caught my attention. So definitely, Alison, in your spare minutes. Which I, know there's not, which I know there's not a lot of. Definitely <laughs> worth getting a little look in at that. So that's it's always time for um, a box set, I suppose, which brings yeah. you, doesn't it, to kind of what have you been doing? Binging on Netflix, I think, has been getting us through that, hasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And Call My Agent, if you've not watched Call My Agent on Netflix, um, you have to watch that. It's very oh, funny it. and it's French and... Um, it's about agents and they're 10% and all, every week there's like a French movie star and, and okay, not all of them are familiar to us necessarily, but some of them are global stars um, as well. And it's really, really cool. I've really quite enjoyed that. Um, and obviously like Hillary, been doing a lot of reading, but that's kind of like the obligatory librarian answer, I think, isn't it? Which is a bit sad. Yeah. Um, we do sometimes do other things other than just read though. Other than just read, I know. We <laughs> listen to podcasts about books, or um, actually, that's true. Podcasts have been a big thing that's got me through. I think things like Newscast, um, which is mm. a great podcast and gives you loads of information about everything. Um, and Adam Fleming, the host, is really cool, I think, and really enthusiastic about everything and funny, which I think helps because really there's not that much to laugh about at the moment. Um, I like Simon Mayo Books of the Year podcast, which is really good as well because. Um, it kind of it's a spin-off from when he used to do the drive time show on radio two and obviously he doesn't do that anymore and him and matt the sports guy do a books podcast and not only did they talk to an author about the book that they've done but then they do like a quick q a about the best book you've ever ever read and 
books that moved you, books from your child, you know, so every author yeah. does that. So you find out kind of a bit more about them and it's a really cool one. So if you've not listened to that already and then my kind of, I don't think it's a guilty pleasure because I'm not actually guilty about it, but I like <laughs> to listen to the Fortunately podcast as well, which is with Jane Garvey and Fee Glover, who are two broadcasters from Radio 4. And they just basically have a chat and they have a guest and they have a chat to that guest and people write in and I suppose it is aimed at, well, they would deny this. It probably is aimed at women if not maybe not menopausal but you know 40s 50s I guess it's that kind of demographic but people write in all the time and go I'm really sorry but I'm a man or I'm really sorry but I'm only in my 20s so (laughs) I think that you know it probably has something for everybody if you just like a bit of a giggle or talking about the really stupid things that happen so these are some of the things that obviously I think are helping me get through it but I must admit that this time around and I don't know whether it's just because you've become completely used to lockdown but it kind of we just sort of went back into our bubble and your walks and doing your work and doing your school work and just kind of and it's been okay this time I think I don't yeah. know what you felt Chris uh, yeah I, I think you're right I think that it has just became a bit of a normal existence really for, for a lot of us and so as uh, although we've, we've kind of came in and out of like full lockdown we've still obviously been in some kind of like restriction in some way throughout the whole entire time so it's kind of I, I don't know like kind of think think things have changed too much for, for, the, for no. this time but but yeah it's been interesting and I think uh, I, I've as as you you guys know, I've got a, a little boy, and and he and getting to spend a lot more time with him has definitely been more has kind of been a big thing getting getting through for me. So it's been that's been fantastic, and getting to read lots of lots of children's books with him, which have been another fantastic yet another little librarian thing, I suppose. But yeah, there you go. Um, but yeah, so and. And obviously, um, moving on a little bit, our um, libraries have obviously been closed because of the, all the, the restrictions, but we haven't went completely into hibernation. We have been doing other things while we have kind of been closed. Um, so what, what are some of the highlights from some of the activities and things like that that we have been doing, um, just so that in case any of the listeners have missed anything and to kind of show that we have still been there and, and kind of on the, the front line for, for everyone. So... Hilary, what have you, what are the big things that you've noticed that we've kind of kept, kept going? Um, from my side of it, a little bit, we did a, a little bit of work around International Women's Day uh, back yeah. earlier. I was going to say this month, but I, I guess last month. Um, see, that's a lockdown <laughs> effect. I don't know what day or week or month it is. You do um, lose track. Completely. <laughs> so back for International Women's Day, which was what, about the, the 8th of March or thereabouts, um, we pulled together some online resources, which you know was great fun sort of researching that and listening to some TED Talks to pick out for it. Um, yeah. We ended up sort of highlighting uh, the woman who had been the first president, female president of an African nation. She was head of Liberia for a while, and she's gone on to to talk about how people got involved, the women particularly got involved in rebuilding the country and then going to gender equality and stuff. So it all kind of has tied into a lot of things that were going on around that time as well. Um, so yeah, that, that was, as, as well as working on some other things in the background for things that are to come. Um, I suppose that's the one that has sort of kept me the last wee while, um, keeping bits and pieces up front that people have, have been able to participate in and see. Um, and we'll come. We'll maybe come back to some of the things that are coming later that I've been working on as well. 
Yeah, one one of the things from the International Women's Day stuff that we've collated um, that I really found interesting was the ancestry video that we've got up on the website at the moment too, because I I recently have done the ancestry DNA thing, so I'm in complete and utter like geek mode when it comes to anything to do with ancestry at the moment. And so that that and I saw that video that you sent through for to put up, and and I was like, oh, I'm going to actually watch this, and it was really interesting. And it was obviously it's a kind of about, about sort of researching kind of sort of females and in, in the and the and the your uh, your your history and and how just actually by including their 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 maiden name is the main way how to try and help find that which which actually kind of seems an obvious thing but actually whenever you do start looking at some of the interesting things so many people forget to do it and actually just have their, their married name and in, in there and, yeah. and it does make it so much more difficult to kind of just track that that sort of ancestry back so and it's one of these things you don't actually think about because actually it can actually help find the men Mm-hmm. Yeah. Particularly if it's a child who's maybe his father's maybe not recorded on the birth certificate, yeah. Um, then actually being able to work through the mum's maiden name uh, can actually be quite helpful. Or even just sort of associating people into the right family as well, because uh, there was that sort of tradition that used to get, you know, a sort of female family name and as your middle name as as well that helped out a wee bit as well. So. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Maybe it doesn't help out though if everybody's got the same name, you know, so there's like generations yeah, of, yeah, like, you know, <laughs> matching yeah. wee Mary, big Mary, old Mary, young Mary, you know, and so all just Yeah, goes. I have I have so many Henrys going back in my, my grandmother's side and it's they have all the same name and there's they're all this, like kind of just one generation apart. And it actually becomes quite complicated to try to figure out which one's who whenever you find out a record about it. So yeah, that, that does definitely add to difficulty too. And sticking on the, the international women's team though a little bit, um, Alison, you also did help contribute to that as well because it was your idea to come up with one of the podcast episodes <laughs> um, a few episodes back um, and kind of where we created the, the sort of... Um, favourite authors and favourite female characters and things like that as well, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. And it came together quite nicely, I think, because people came at it from all different angles. And certainly for me, it kind of came away from it with books that I hadn't read or authors that I didn't, you know, you were aware of, you know, the name, but you haven't maybe read their back catalogues. I mean, I think that was quite nice. Although to be, it's really generous of me to say I came up with the idea, because really what I thought was is, that's a lot easer to piece together one than to sit and have this free-form discussion with you. So the selfish part of me was like, that's fine, let's just do it that way. Absolutely, it was all about the women's liberation and that was really where I was coming from. Yeah, <laughs> so. no, I think I think it was a great way of trying, just kind of getting lots and lots of different perspectives all in one podcast and, and it was sort of it definitely worked, I think, and hopefully the listeners kind of got something out of that and, and discovered some great authors and some great characters out of that too. So hopefully, hopefully it did. Um, some of the other things that we did kind of touch on a little bit during the time as well, um, probably the, the biggest thing I think that we did was the kind of Love Life Week, um, where um, um, Alison, you were involved in, in that with a couple of events and that as well. Yeah. Um, and um, we also launched Readwell NL as well, as well that week, which we kind of focused on last episode of the podcast. Um, you, I think, am I right in thinking... Alison, you did the, the, the shared reading for that, for I that did, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, absolutely. And the shared reading is one of those things that we were doing or my colleague was doing um, in real life before lockdown. And it's one of the things we've tried to take on to the virtual platform and get people to come along. And it's if you've not been along to one, it's quite nice. We just read a short story and a poem. Um, I think that um, Love Life, Love Vibrates was round about Valentine's Day. So we had done a kind of 
romantic theme, but it was kind of nice. It was all about love at first sight. And then the, uh, the ladies that came along, we actually had pretty, a good chat, actually. And it was quite nice. It opened up all kinds of things about people's personal experiences, about marriage and about being younger. And it was just, and it's the joy of it. You know, I think when you start to read these stories and you're just, um, you don't have to, you just have to turn up and, read the story aloud and who doesn't even as an adult still I think having things read aloud to them I think it's really that in itself is a really nice part of the process and then it just widens to this broader conversation and because as I say it was about love it just really it broadened out a whole conversation about everybody's life experiences but in a really like positive way and I think especially then in February which was probably a kind of maybe the height of the lockdown when the days are yeah. still pretty short and dark and the weather's not great and especially because um for that particular event it probably was a slightly older client group that came along so when it's icy and snowy they weren't getting out so much so the whole thing I think it just totally tackled that sense of a social isolation that people have and the kind of empathy and the emotions that just reading a story together or a poem even if you're not a poetry lover you know you're not expecting somebody to come along and give you all their oh this is an iambic pentameter and it's this that and the next thing it's about an emotional response to the literature and I think that was what it's really it's a joy to see people that think oh poetry is something that's left behind me at school and I'm not interested in it because it was you know at school you were forced to analyze it to death and take it apart and it kind of takes the pleasure out and it's not you know when you do the shared reading it's not about that it's about what speaks to you it's about the bits that jump out you know and there isn't right and wrong answers because you know nobody's a literary critic we're just there to share experiences and to share what really good fiction can sometimes just give you you know so I think it, it was it was a worthwhile event and hopefully more people will come along to them um, because I think it's one of those things that we're putting out there um, for people and absolutely folk are coming along but you know the scope is that so many more people will come along to it and really get something from it and maybe if people are listening to this and they oh I've seen that event I didn't really know what shared reading meant and and obviously you can come along and join in as much or as as little as you like so it would be really cool if um maybe haven't spoken about it a wee bit more today that some of the people that listen to the podcast think oh yeah next time I might just give that a go um, yeah yeah so. it would be fantastic if we could kind of widen the audience a little bit for that as well and because it is such a worthwhile event and it, and, I, and I think that people do once they experience it do kind of get much more out of it than they probably thought they would and so mm-hmm. yeah definitely it's definitely something that would be fantastic for anyone watching for our future events to kind of get involved in as well. Also, some of the other big things that we've kind of got up and running as well, again, um, is the good old favourite book bug is back online as well. I know people don't need to hear me singing. I don't know about your, your two singing <laughs> voices or like, but I think we'll, we'll leave that in the capable hands of Gillian and Sarah that, that do our book bug videos at the moment. Um, but as as always, they are very, very popular and another fantastic little kind of event and activity we've got running regularly online as well. Um, and um, I think we're, we're kind of not leaving our planning at that, though. I think we've got lots of other little bits and bobs in the plan and still kind of and coming up in the future, haven't we? Hilary, I know that you touched on it a wee bit earlier on. We've got a few other things in the fires kind of kind of coming up with stuff. Yeah, so the week of um, the 19th of April, that week, um, we've got something called Think Learn Libraries, which we've done over the last couple of years, which is just a a way of bringing some of the the regular activities together, but also some other bits and pieces that just make people sort of stop and and think about things other than reading. 
connected with libraries as well. That said, I also got, has already offered to do another of these shared reading sessions, so I'm just going to plug it for her. Okay, um, fine. So. <laughs> you have nothing to say, why don't you? <laughs> That's no, it's okay, I'll leave you in So we've got that planned in for, I think, Thursday 22nd, hopefully. Um, yeah. So if you, if, 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 like me, you've suddenly realised that actually it's not as, as fearful as it sounds, <laughs> then, then, it's, then that's the time to kind of put aside for it. Um, and, and look, Chris, also you're saying about the, the family history stuff. One of my colleagues, um, Liz, who's the Open Learning Officer in uh, Wishaw, um, is an absolute whiz uh, when it comes to family history. So she's going to do a little bit uh, on that that week. So that's always worth sort of just dipping into it. And, and like that, you can be working away on your own on your family history you know, quite the thing but sometimes just having a wee bit of a blather with other people who are working on it as well um can just give you an odd you know an odd, an odd steer an odd hint of, of somewhere else to to kind of go and look yeah. um and i suppose while we're doing that um, our colleagues in uh, local studies in the museum section have got some fabulous stuff on their website as well which again you can find under the international women's day because we had linked in to some of that and um, there's there's some great things there if, if your family is from the kind of North Lanarkshire area that you might find interesting so yeah I've got a couple of quizzes um, planned and I think both you and Alison have got some other bits and pieces to add to add into that event as well yeah I'll I will always take an opportunity to plug water box to anyone so so I, I'm I'll be producing some uh, so a video content about kind of what more a little bit about Borobox, kind of how how you can use it and things like that sort of stuff and what what kind of all the sort of benefits that you kind of get from that. So that, that's in the in the works as well. And I think Alison's other event, um, other than Sheridan one, sounds very very interesting because oh, please is... don't big it up too much. <laughs> People are going to be sorely disappointed. I don't think so. I don't think... <laughs> Which, of course, it's a fake news workshop, and, and obviously, fake news has been the buzzword for I don't know what the last like four or five years on on any kind of usual kind of news or political type thing or anything like that. So, I, it's, I had uh, a complete. When I was like thinking, will I still call it fake news? Because obviously now in this post-Trump world that we live in, you know, and it's so associated with that, you know, and obviously when I started to do these kind of workshops, it was very politically based. But actually, I think this time and. Hopefully, if it all comes together at this time, um, we're going to kind of look at disinformation and misinformation, oh. and particularly around about COVID and vaccinations and that kind of thing. So normally, when I kind of run these workshops, it's probably more about politics, and this time I think it's probably going to be more health-based. But a lot of the same principles apply. It's about determining what good information is, um, verifying your sites, you know, and trying to. Um, we're all kind of guilty of it. In fact even us as information professionals in inverted commas are guilty of it because um, like the story about your child can go to Asda and if an adult buys a meal for the child can get three quarter cold meal if an adult spends a pound in Asda in their restaurants right there I thought this was just one of these silly Facebook like myths but no apparently it's actually part of what they're doing with their corporate responsibility and things have been tweeted but of course because I think you can go either way, isn't it? That you can believe everything that you read on Facebook or you become such a cynic that you just think, oh, that's just like a nonsense story. So we're all of us not immune to this. So it's about yeah. finding out, you know, the truth of something about how to where the good places are to go and seek information and that maybe using Facebook as a search engine 
um, is not perhaps the best way to get the most <laughs> reliable sources of information, you know, so it's, it's stuff like that I think we're going to touch around. And I mean, obviously, again, depends on how many people come along, but there's obviously going to be opportunities for interaction and discussion and yeah. debate and things like that. It's not going to be, you know, a big learned, this is how you cite your sources kind of thing, but it's just yeah. about how we all access information and being aware of the lot of misinformation that there is out there and about not being swayed by that or not just taking everything at face value but obviously also not going the full cynic way of disbelieving things because it sounds if it sounds too good to be true it must be too good to be true so that's my mistake (laughs) but um, you know there's the two signs to the coin isn't there so that's kind of what we're hopefully going to look at in that um in a couple of weeks time and I think that sounds like a fantastic event. I think Alison, you're selling yourself short by saying don't big it up. See how it all comes together. <laughs> yeah, I think it sounds fantastic. And and although although I think the the fake news uh, word or phrase does have that kind of link back to kind of the, the Trump president era, um, I, I I do think it's still going to be a, pre, a kind of a, a phrase that will be used going forward. And like say the mis- misinformation and things like that, and yeah. and it has kind of evolved from that kind of political thing into that sort of COVID misinformation sort of side of things as well. So it's definitely it's definitely kind of another event that we're, we're worth looking at. So do keep an eye out on our website and um, our social media accounts as well for all our future events that are coming up and we'll confirm everything, dates and how you sign up for them and stuff like that on there. Because And what I should, yep. no, I was just thinking, I should probably add because obviously Hilary and I are here and we've, and you're here and we've bigged up the stuff that we're doing. I know Hilary mentioned in passing the quizzes, but the quizzes are always a massive attractor that my colleagues, Drew and Judy from Airdrie, are running a new tricks quiz. They've got a massive real-life following who come to those quizzes and quite a lot of them like to come to the online version. So um, obviously they're not here this afternoon, but the quiz is also, and it's a really fun um, afternoon. I know people maybe might have slight quiz fatigue because in this kind of like Zoom gathering atmosphere that we live in at the moment possibly there's just been too many quizzes over the last year but um this is a good quiz and it's good fun and if people that's another one i think to, to flag up um, definitely and everybody likes the bragging rights of having won a quiz let's face it so <laughs> who doesn't like to say that they were the winner of a quiz so definitely get signed up to all the events wherever we do announce them but officially on the website and things uh, all the information will be on there at, at one point to how you sign up for them and we would we'd love to see you at all the events and stuff so that's fantastic now getting back a little bit to kind of more sort of book related topics and things um it has obviously been a very disturbed year this year for libraries um and some might wonder about how libraries will cope with that in terms of their stock and because obviously a lot of libraries have been closed have we kind of missed out in a year's worth of books or have we somehow managed to kind of be kind of capture the, the, at least the kind of big releases over that time? Um, how, how What's been happening to kind of help I, I with that, Alison? Yeah, I don't think we've really missed out as such. I mean, there was this really weird period last year where there was almost like a hiatus and hardly anything was being published. And what we normally do is we order books every week and it's books that are going to be published two, three months in advance down the line. So that's kind of how things work for the libraries. So a lot of the kind of big spring bestsellers were ordered and ready to come so that when we did open back up in the summer, some of them came in and that was fine. And also that's just been an ongoing process. There was this pause point from the point of view of publishers, but then obviously as the world started to open up again over the summer, it was unpaused and a lot of things that maybe had been postponed 
came back and we kind of caught up with that so if you know you've been hanging out for your latest Daniel Steele or James Patterson or whatever then they're there um, obviously at the moment because of uh, the restrictions even when we do open up the request service isn't there so in terms of the upside is if you happen to hit the library at the right time and the latest James Patterson is there you're going to get that rather than it touches the ground in Coatbridge or wherever and then it goes a tour of North Lanarkshire and <laughs> you're waiting you know three months to get that book so there are kind of upsides to it actually I think if you're just a regular library person and you're there at the right time and probably there are the kind of upsides but the books are there definitely so all these kind of big ticket stuff are there and then obviously we kind of have taken a step back from that and towards the end of last year, I suppose, and into this year when things became clearer really about our finances because like everybody else, is, it's all been a bit up in the air. We've been doing a bit of a catch up and a bit of a bulk buy. So there shouldn't really be too much that slipped through the net. So that's where people can be reassured. Hopefully, I know in Coatbridge for when my staff go back, there are literally boxes and boxes of new books <laughs> there ready to be opened and put on the shelf. So in those first couple of weeks especially um there's a bumper crop there for people to come in and borrow and hopefully appealing to everybody um so as well as obviously the popular big selling things you know we've been kind of trying to plug in the gaps either with bits and pieces of literary fiction or crime but also with non-fiction as well um and we've been topping up our book group collections so um for those of you that are still coming along to virtual book groups there's refresh stock for that and you maybe can come into the library and borrow a physical book for it um but you're still meeting virtually for the time being but at least you're um obviously there's a wide variety of things that people were able to use from borrow box but it's always nice to supplement that with things that are maybe a wee bit more left field and stuff because i mean obviously yeah. in a book group you're always trying to throw them a, a curveball aren't you and usually the people that come to book groups are often voracious readers so if you pick something a bit too mainstream and then they'll come along and they're like oh i read that ages ago or even if it's quite new you know so um that's that kind of thing so I think we're fairly abreast of things so people should come with high expectations I suppose I'm um, not to oversell it but there's a good chunk of stuff there just waiting to be borrowed because obviously that's what we're all wanting to do is to get back and get those great yeah. books out to people and um, and, and with, with that kind of like when when we do confirm an opening date for for the libraries to reopen and things that initial period like you say it's got although the reserves aren't there it does have the bonus of the fact that you might be able to kind of skip the queue, if it were, as it were. If you, if you, come, if you come regularly enough and kind of catch the, the kind of top titles kind of just sitting on the shelves, which normally wouldn't necessarily be there because they would be doing a bit of a tour of North Lanchar for the first six months of their life right. and until they get back on the shelves at the library they're supposed to be. So there's definitely kind of, I think there are definitely kind of upsides if you're a regular visitor over those kind of first initial weeks that whenever we get yeah. back. So. It's um, a reward now for um, loyalty to your local library that if you're <laughs> the person that comes in, you get the pick of the cream of the crop. Um, there you go. Fantastic. And Harley, what about a kind of learning point of view? Um, have we managed to keep in, in touch with um, our learners and, and kind of continue that support over the, the period of lockdown and things like that as well? Yeah, with some of our learners, I think we have to say. Um, unfortunately for some people, we've not been able to do a great deal of support, although, you know, a phone call with a little bit of help with a phone or a tablet or whatever else has, has always been available. Um, but we've got quite a lot of learners who are working through um, qualifications, ECDL qualifications, uh, and a, a good number of them are 
uh, have government funding and are, are doing it as part of their retraining, maybe having been made redundant or um, just want to, COVID has given them sort of time to rethink what they want to do. And we've been able to keep in touch with a lot of those learners, not, not everybody, um, but we've been able to keep some people going. Um, so I, again, a, a bit like our readers, we've maybe not served everybody, but we still provided a service and we still kept something going. So yeah, we've got a good number of learners who are working away, uh, learning new things, keeping in touch with the open learning officers, um, and keeping us on our toes with new questions uh, as well, um, as, as people kind of get used to different pieces of software and even just something as simple as having a quick chat over um, Zoom or Teams or something with people, just get them a wee bit more confident using them so that when they come to do the family meetings or whatever else, that they're just that wee bit more comfortable um, on those with them as well. So yeah, we've, 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 we've done a bit. We've, we've kept that. We've been working on other things as well, but we've, we've kept the learner support going as best we can. Yeah, and I guess there probably would have been a, a period, probably maybe a bit earlier in the lockdown though, um, of kind of trying to kind of figure out exactly how you keep that support going and and things like that and what, what we can offer in terms of learning. Yeah, and and yeah, we, we were we were dependent on a few things falling into place, um, and things with other awarding bodies and things like that. And just 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 finally getting hope, getting in touch with people and find out. But again, we've got um, connections with our colleagues in community learning and development. And so that kind of um, link has continued to have been passing people on to us and, and we've been helping them out, maybe getting some people um, online and comfortable using the, the, the software and the kit that they do have. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's been different, but I think it's, it's like everything in the last year, we've, we've adapted and we've found ways to do it. And when we do open again, um, like like happen will happen with Bookbug and whatnot, that we, we'll still have some restrictions on um, the number of PCs and probably the, the amount of time people can, can spend on them. So again, the support that we'll be able to do initially will be limited. But as, as things change, we'll, we'll get back to, I, I hate using the phrase back to normal actually, but we'll get back to something like what we did before. Yeah, and then uh, that, that's the thing. I think we do have to kind of, we will, there will still be that kind of adjustment period on, on every kind of level of our service, and and um, but but we will kind of work on it, and we will kind of get everything kind of back to to something as close, if not exactly the same as what we did have uh, in the past. So um, so it's it's a great time because I think it does it has also opened opportunities to kind of do things differently and. And those things as well can continue as well, um, as well, because because there's some some parts of it have has opened up new avenues for us to do other things, like you said. So it has been a kind of interesting time. So, but I think we're kind of just about finished. We've got I've, I'll kind of have one last thing to go over with these because I did uh, probably most people who listen to the podcast have over the last few episodes heard everything about what I have read so they're probably sick to death of hearing about what I've been reading <clears throat> and I'm a slow reader so I don't get through as many books as to, to kind of get you have to stop saying that on the thing. podcast I know it's true though it's true so but um so I thought I would get to see what you guys have read I know how you um, emailed recently a kind of nice list of a lot of books that you've been reading recently so um, what has been the standout ones for you in, in the last little while? 
I had, yeah, like, like I said at the beginning, I, in January, and I've done this several years in a row now, January I seem to be able to read. At some point with February I lose it. Um, so I had I had quite a, a kind of reading January. Um, one of the ones I really loved uh, is a, a book by Matt Ford called Politically Homeless. Um, he was a sort of behind the scenes member of, of the Labour Party and worked on a lot of campaigns for um, given the situation we find ourselves in right now on the run into a Scottish election, I'm just going to park that one and say if that's your yes. kind of style of, of, of uh, interest, go read it. Um, but I'll, I'm not going to walk that tightrope about uh, about politics at this point because I think it was probably asking for for too much for me to be to be too careful here. A um, couple of other ones though, I finally got round to reading the boy, the mole, the fox and the horse which I know a lot of people read first lockdown and, and it was a sort of therapy that a lot of people found then. Uh, it's, a, it's a beautiful, almost picture book, almost graphic novel, um, all about kindness and wisdom and philosophy. And it, it, it reminds me a lot of, in some ways, of Pooh and Piglet, if that makes um, any sense to people. I, I can see that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I absolutely loved that. I, I, I had bought it. As, I'll own up to it because I don't I think I can get away with this now I bought it as a Christmas present for somebody and it never got to them <laughs> <laughs> Christmas present from you to you with love and best wishes <laughs> so, so it became yes exactly it became my Christmas present to myself um, but I can safely say that it's one of these books that will be gifted over and over and over again now to people because it's just so beautiful Um and yeah, I've, I've got a couple of others, but I think I'll let Alison jump in. <laughs> you two jump in before I sort of run through everything, just in case you want any of the ones I've got here. You had a kind of epic list, but I don't want any of the ones that you've got, but you touched on the politics and <laughs> what you had read, which I had also read, which touches on the politics, is the Scabby Queen and the Kirsten Ennis book, which is, you know, mine's actually propping up my computer, but Ellery can show you hers, but you can't see it anyway, with the same... To channel the Simon Mio podcast, they always describe the book at the start of it. You know, it's got a bright pink and orange cover in it. Um, but it kind of, um, it took that the whole story of Cleo right through from her childhood. Um, and this isn't really a spoiler alert, but to her death. Um, but from the poll tax, from the one hit wonders to, you know, living in London. And it touches on politics um, kind of right through from sort of the 80s, that kind of the height of things, this kind of Scottish life movement and Thatcherism, um, but also a lot in it about music and just a lot in it about relationships and people and like a lot about Scotland actually. And I don't mean I don't read a lot of Scottish fiction, but I don't because I quite often read novels to escape and I like to read books that are set in other more exciting places or, you know, or sometimes <laughs> it's a bit too close to home. And yeah. Um, and that's possibly not true for Scabby Queen, but and I know we spoke a lot about Scabby Queen like in Book Week Scotland and people like um, our colleague Drew spoke probably much more lyrically about it than I certainly can. But um, having finally got around to it a bit like Ellery over these last wee while, um, I would definitely recommend it. And I know that's definitely one we've also got loads of in the library. So um, if people do start to be able to come back to the buildings you know they can get it yeah. um, it's funny I read I read probably about three quarters of it in a day and a half right and for whatever reason I kind of had to put it down at that point and, and I was absolutely adoring it at that point 
And it took me about two or three weeks to come back to it afterwards. And I found it a wee bit harder to come back into afterwards. So I, I really strongly recommend it if you are reading it and you're able to just almost read it straight through. I think mm-hmm. that makes really makes it. And yet, weirdly, I think I had the opposite response that I kind of, I brought it home from work and I started to read it and it wasn't quite grabbing me. And I was probably in the middle of reading something else at home as well at the same time. So I was kind of dipping in and out of it till I was about halfway through, which I wouldn't really recommend because it's quite episodic and you do probably lose the the narrative flow if you do that. But when I came back to the second half of it like that, then I was churning through it because I wanted to know what was going to happen next and where it was going to go because it went off in all kinds of directions that I didn't anticipate it would. And the social critique in it of the politics, but even things about newspaper publishing and stuff, which, Mm -hmm. you know, um, and how that is changing, it really drew in a whole wide range of, of themes, but within this one kind of central story. Um, so definitely, I think for people, even if it's not necessarily the kind of thing you would usually read, there's probably something in it that speaks to a lot of us, I think, in our yeah. experiences. Um, and for, you know, a first novel as well, it's like, that's, um, it's good. But yeah. um, the other biggie that I did read, actually, I don't know, sorry, Chris, if you're wanting yeah. to wind up, the other biggie that I did read, and again, I was really late to the party for no good reason, was Shoggy Bane. And um, if I thought that um, the Scabby Queen kind of like speaks to a lot of things or like hits you in the guts, then Shoggy Bane really <laughs> hits you in the guts about a lot of things. And again, I started it and it was not close to home because thank God my life experiences didn't really mirror the, the growing up story of Shuggy. But I mean, obviously it's set in Glasgow and a lot of it's quite local and some of the references are quite local. And certainly the way people speak to one another is bang on in terms of how people in Glasgow speak to one another, you know, it's just like so good. But, um, and although the it's quite a hard book to read in places, but it's a bit of really um, challenging and emotionally challenging. And although Shoggy himself is a character that kind of comes through it and it, it's quite an uplifting story in places, but there are bits of it that just get you. And it's one of those books that you read bits of it and days and weeks after it, you're still reflecting on the bit, you know, because... I remember reading one bit, and I'll not give you the spoiler alert of it, but I kind of read it and I thought, God, I can't believe this has happened. And you kind of almost go back and you read it again and you go, yeah, that really did happen like that. And it just kind of knocks the feet away from you in places. And I mean, how powerful is that for the writing that it gets you like that, you know? So I don't know if either of you guys have, have read it yet, but um, it's so good. The, the, the two, actually, the two books that you've been talking about, that, that's the two books that are on my Kind of that, that are burning a hole in my to to, to read list a little bit because I got them at Christmas time and and I've just not got around to reading them yet but they are definitely kind of on the, the to read list so uh, and yeah. everybody who has read them uh, you don't hear a kind of bad review of it it's always very positive and and yeah. and, and kind of. Kind of a, it's a, a hard read to don't get me wrong yeah, it's yeah. not the kind of book that you're going to come away and go oh I really enjoyed that because it like hits you between the eyeballs lots and lots of times so I think that that's I know we've had some discussions with other colleagues about it and like you can't question the quality of the writing or even the way it's plotted or the dialogue but it's a hard read in the sense of the themes are quite challenging and you know emotion and for you Chris with your upcoming happy event then <laughs> you might want to get that one in before your brain you're, you're completely sleep deprived <laughs> yeah, it's not, not I, I for do, the faint-hearted. 
Um, I, I do just just for for anyone who hasn't caught that reference, I do have our child child on the way very very soon, and um, and I, my my reading did take a big kind of hit when I, whenever um, my first kid came along. So so I don't know my my reading kind of might kind of slump again for a little while after this. But, um, but the sleep deprivation kind of bring not sleep deprivation directly but another book that I've just finished reading was Hungry by Grace Dent and actually it's probably better suited because I think when you are sleep deprived these kind of like weighty tomes which Shuggy Bean is to a certain extent are not necessarily good when you're getting up yeah. two and three and four times during the night um, Hungry by Grace Dent is quite episodic and it's quite light and it's a really warm book and it's kind of all about our experiences of food all through our life and how almost you know, she grew up in Carlisle, Grace Dent. She's a restaurant critic and um, journalist, I suppose, TV presenter. Probably someone you'll have seen her in bits and pieces, but she's got a column in The Guardian. And anyway, it kind of charts the things um, from... She was born, kind of, I think, 73, 74. And um, things like the opening of the big Asda in Carlisle and the major excitement and the introduction <laughs> of things like the whoopsie stickers and going to get the bargains at the end of the day. And her mum just thought this was, like, the best thing ever you're probably too young to remember these things being new and exciting Chris but this is you know <laughs> in the eight when supermarkets kind of like morphed from these tiny um anyway but it's the kind of book like the structure of that is quite good that if you are going through either maybe being a bit sleep deprived or going through emotionally tough times it's the kind of book that you can pick up and dip in and out of and because mm. there isn't a strong overarching narrative art but yet it's really warm she makes really funny observations just about her life and the role that food has played at different points in her life from being a child to being a student to being all the kind of um things like that then um it's, it's really good i would quite recommend that one as well yeah uh, one, one of the ones that I, that um stood to me on on your list Hillary, that one of us thought was was a jd kirk one simply because it's. Uh, I love the fact that it's it's a pseudonym for um, a, a big Scottish kids author, um, and he's writing Scottish crime fiction, which is so a completely different kind of like take on it. And, um, and it has they have caught my eyes because of that. And I know you said yeah. you, you kind of indicated that you thought it was quite good. So is it worth a look? Absolutely. But for you right now, as as, as a dad. Maybe, Maybe don't start with book one. <laughs> I'm feeling intrigued now to know what happens in book one. Book one's called a Letter of Bones. And like that, I, I had read. Um, so the crime books are published under the, the author J.D. Kirk. But J.D. Kirk is a, a, a four volume author called Barry Hutchison who started writing for kids uh, and does a lot of screenwriting as well and writes for the Beano as well, or did write for the Beano. I don't know if he still does or not. Um, and I, in in the former life as, as a school librarian I had kind of met him just as he started out and I loved his writing at that stage um, and a, a book a series of books about a, a character called Mr Mumbles mm-hmm. which are really quite dark children's yeah. books um, and and so I sort of wanted to see if, if that sort of corresponded over into that instance and, and, and I, I just love his sense of humour as well as I said in, in, in that conversation we had it's, 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 it's almost like Taggart meets meets the highlands uh, a wee bit um and that that sort of it's darker than tiger maybe um but just that that sort of dark humor this sort of police humor dark humor um 
Uh, it's a list of bones, yeah. It's, it's a, a DCI who's working actually at the time he's kind of based in Glasgow, but the case that comes up in Fort William it, it, it seems tied into something that he's worked on before. Um, and you know, it start it starts with him visiting the person that they, they got for the, the original crime uh, in Kirstairs. And they then have to start to kind of reevaluate this a wee bit about he's absolutely convinced he's got the right person the first time but is that sort of copy is it a copycat or because there's a lot of things that seem just a wee bit too knowledgeable about it Um, it, and it's also I mean I I love that part of the world as well so it's quite refreshing to find something that's um, a good quick crime read um, but set somewhere out of of God's government I I this time of year would, would, would automatically now be looking for um, Alan Park's book because he, he writes a series of crime novels that are yeah. like started with Jan, January Blues or something like that. And, and there's one per month. So the, 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 this is number four. So it's due out in April. So it's kind of like, right, where is that? But this is kind of along the same sort of lines, I think, as well. Um, and again, I mean, I read it in a couple of days, which is, again, not like me too often. I tend to put things back down. But... Um, I would thoroughly recommend it and I think Alison I think I picked up that there's a few of them coming in in new stock I so think maybe the first three or so yeah <laughs> no. <laughs> well, see, of course I had I had to do that for which library do I need to go and visit you're going on the tour of North Lanners or not the books <laughs> no it's okay it's, it's okay I, um, I'm not going to be able to wait that long that this is going to be an order um, and he actually quite often puts them out on um, several platforms that are not library based very cheaply um <laughs> so if, if MD uses those it's definitely a good one and, and enjoy scottish crime i i think he's he's hit the bill hit, hit the bone with us again um but as i say chris i'm going to suggest you leave it maybe okay okay a wee while before you read I will this take one. your advice on board on that and maybe leave yeah. it for a little while <laughs> leave it for a wee bit <laughs> Is there any kind of kind of titles that are coming up that that you guys are really looking forward to reading? Kind of just quickly before we, we wrap up, Alison, what's on your hit list? I don't know. What's on my... <laughs> don't ask me that. I think there's loads of good things coming out, and I think what's quite exciting for us now is that loads of things that came out in hardback during lockdown last year are now coming out in paperback. So things like Hamnet are coming out in paperback, or mm-hmm. the Nick Hornby just like you that we spoke about. I think again, it was lovely of libraries for the Valentine's kind of pick a date with the book. Yeah. These are all starting to come out in paperback, so we're going to get um, multiple copies of them. Um, the only other book that and again, I think it's just not long out in hardback. It certainly will be new to the libraries is the William Boyd book Trio, um, which I've not long finished reading myself, which is quite good. And again, set in the 1960s. So I kind of like to get away from, I do read crime. I I don't entirely use novels for escapism, but, um, and I suppose there is some crime inadvertently in this one, but it's kind of set in the late 60s. Some of it's in Paris, some of it's in England, and it's kind of about the shifting social attitudes that have come with that time. Um, It looks at kind of a film producer, writers, actresses, things like that. Um, And it just, again, that's a a really a good one and quite um, evocative of the period and how things are changing, the kind of freer attitudes to alcohol, sex, types of relationships, even how people make a living or women being um, independent of husbands and not reliant on them for money and um, or for 
um, security perhaps. So it's quite an interesting look at things um, and the usual kind of flair for storytelling through it, you know, pulling it all together. So I would definitely recommend that. That's one of the new ones that's coming in. Um, and so I see Val McDermott got the copy of her newest book the other day on Twitter. So I think that's quite exciting one to, to look forward to, um, seeing as we've been talking about a lot of the tartan noir, as it were. Um, anyway. Yeah, and Holly, what about you? Is there anyone that, that, that you're kind of looking forward to reading soon? Um, I've, I'm just pick, finally picking up one that I, I borrowed just before we locked down, um, John Mars, The Passengers, uh, which came out, I think, late 2019, so it was just in paperbacks. So I think it was just sort of coming in just as, as all this started. Um, and the idea behind that is that there's everybody has, by law now, drives uh, driverless cars. And basically somebody's hacked them. And there's eight people in cars that have been hacked. Um, and it set them on a collision course. And then it sort of seems to um, ramp up. So there's a little bit of, of um, speed because if the authorities get involved, then the vehicles are going to explode. <laughs> um, and he, the, the hacker is trying to get the public as a, as a kind of ju- and a jury to decide who lives and who dies um, from these cars. So it's one that's been sitting there for a wee bit and I'm finally going to get to it um, from a fiction point of view. And then the other one, again, it's one that came out just tail end of last year. Um, non-fiction-wise, it's by Rutger Bremnen. Um, and it's called Humankind, A Hopeful History. And it takes the whole premise of history and and but from a perspective of, well, if we actually start from the idea that everybody's good, then how does our view of, of life and events change? Um, and how can, I, if, if we basically take that approach to things and how how can government change and, and, and so on? It's, it's one of these hugely thick books that I'll probably take quite a while to get through, but um, a bit like Homo sapiens and, oh, the other one along those lines, which I can't remember the title of quickly, um, is one of these ones I think is, is probably worth dipping into. But mm-hmm. yeah, I, I always end up with far too many things waiting to be read and never get round to them. So yeah, I'll, I think, I'll stop I think at that. I think that's the, the the one kind of problem of being a, a library worker is you, your to read list always becomes too long to actually ever reach the end of. I, I'll, I'll I'll show you how much I am in parent land at the moment. My the book the book that I am most excited about coming out in the next little while is. The Whale Who Wanted More by Rachel Bright. <laughs> it's a picture book and it's part of a series that she does with uh, an illustrator called Jim Field. And they are fantastic books. The pictures in them are amazing. And they always have such lovely meanings in the story. And there's always kind of little kind of hidden gem behind the story. And that's the kind of latest one that's coming out later this month. So I'm really looking forward to getting my hands on that one. And uh, reading that to to my little one as well before before bedtime. So that's how that's um, I'm in complete parent mode for the for the next little while and going to be waking up, getting lost in picture books is, is where I am. <laughs> it's precise what the time. So that was a anyway, good place to be. Yeah, yeah, it is definitely definitely. That's an underrated genre, I think, for adults is is children's mm. picture books. Definitely, yeah. <laughs> Well, you're kind of speaking speech into the choir, I think, with this crowd, aren't you? As far as that's concerned. 
That's about all we've got time for today, guys. Thank you, Alison and Tilly, for joining me for this episode. It has been fantastic having we chat with you about um, the kind of what's been going on in libraries and what we hope has going to be coming in the future. Um, and just, I think there's a lot to be looking forward to and lots of hopefulness in the future. We haven't got an exact date yet to announce for the library's reopening, but it should hopefully be coming very, very soon. So do watch out our website and our social media for a definite answer on that. And, and in the meantime, as always, you can use BorrowBox to get your wooden fix. Um, if you, all you have to do is download it and sign in using your library details. If you don't know your password for that, you can get it by going to www.culturenail.co.uk slash password request, and we will get that password to you as soon as we possibly can. But that's all we have time for just now. So if you have had enjoyed this episode, leave us some feedback using the hashtag, hashtag FLB podcast, and we'll be back again soon for another episode. But it's bye for me and bye from Alison and Hilary. Bye. Bye, bye guys.